Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Look, I got to be honest with you guys today. I, I love Easter. Easter is the day, man. If we don't have Easter, if Jesus never came up out of the grave, let's just pack it up, man. Let's pack it up. Let's go home. Let's shut the thing down. But Jesus is alive, and Jesus is real, and Easter is one of those days where you've got to pause, you've got to remember. Man, if you're a follower of Jesus, never let this day become just normal. It's like a normal old Easter Sunday, or I've done this 10 times in a row, or 20 times in a row. I tell you what, if the heart ever begins to feel a bit calloused, or you begin to feel a little numb, it is time to find a reason to start praising God again, faith becoming genuine again, and God will do that in your heart every single time. Now, I love Easter now, but I got to say, I haven't always loved Easter. Now, I grew up in church, so I've been to a lot of Easter's. So, very young in my life, I did not love Easter when my mom would always decide to dress me up like a little banker. This is actually me back in the day. No, I'm just playing. I had a beard at that age. But I don't know what it is about my mom, man, on Sundays. It was like some of these kids know. It was like, nope, nope, can't wear that T-shirt, can't wear those shorts. Today you got to go that scratchy shirt and those like tight pants and the uncomfortable shoes and God forbid the little bow tie or the tie so she would dress me up like that. So if you're a kid here today and you were in all of those things, man, all the shirt, the tight shoes, the tight pants, I've got nothing but love for you. And by kids, I mean all the husbands who are here today. You were watching the Masters, man. You were in your zone. You had your comfy shirt on. And your wife was like, no, not today, buddy. Today's a button-up. Button-up day. Starch and all. You all look beautiful. You all look handsome. So glad that you're here for Easter today. Now, look, let's keep it real. I always try to. I'm going to continue with the honesty today, but I need you to get with me on a couple of questions. How many of you, us, have ever in your life, from birth till today, have ever made a mistake? Can I see a mistake-making hand in the air? Yes? Yes. Okay. We're going to keep pushing. We're not done yet. How many of you in the history of your life, the totality of your being, have ever told just a little, just a tiny, a little white lie? Have you ever told a little white lie? Can I see a hand in the air? Now, those of you with no hands in the air, look, you're lying right now. It's, uh, it's not working. Okay, let's go deeper. We're not done yet. Now, how many of you, a little deeper, a little more personal, have ever cheated on your taxes? No, I'm just playing. Don't do that one. <laughs> Everybody gets scared. How many of you have ever, in the history of your life, taken something that wasn't yours? You were like me, five years old, take the candy out of the convenience store. Your mom made you take it back. I think it's funny. Think about this room. So on Easter Sunday, we're nothing but a bunch of lion thieves celebrating Jesus, what he's done in our life. So this is one thing, though, that we have in common, isn't it? No matter our career, where we're at in life, no matter our net worth, our portfolio, where we're at professionally, we have all messed up. So everybody just take a big, deep breath in Just relax and be like, I'm in the presence of people who done messed up, just like me. So why don't we do this? Nudge your neighbor, maybe slap them, poke them, and say, I've messed up too. Go on, tell them. 
Say, not as bad as you, but I have messed up too. Not as bad as you. I'm married to you, I know. Not as bad. So this is one thing, right, that we have in common is that we've all done messed up. We've all made mistakes, right? It is one of the unifying things about humanity. We have all made mistakes. So we have this in common with each other, with humanity at large, but we also have this in common. Maybe you've never thought about this. We have this in common with some of the closest followers of Jesus. You ever thought about that? The amount of people in the Bible that have made mistakes. There's only one perfect person in the Bible. That's Jesus, and you ain't him. Everybody else in the Bible has made mistakes. And that's one of the interesting things theologically to me is that the Bible doesn't seek to hide the mistakes of the people in it. You would think you would be the opposite. If somebody were trying to write some holy manuscript, well, let's make everybody look amazing. But no. You see people's highs and you see their lows. And I don't know all about you, but for me, I learn sometimes more from the mistakes that people make that you see in the Bible than just from getting it right. So everybody shout, I've messed up too. Yes, I've messed up too. I'm in the crowd, and we're going to learn from somebody who also messed up, but was also one of the closest disciples, followers of Jesus in the Bible. We're going to learn from the life of Peter today, and it brings us to the one big thing. I want you to grab your communication card. It looks like this. If you're here for the first time, we always have one central thought. We attach everything to that thought. Here is the one big thing for today, and it is encouraging. While we are waiting, God is working. Mm, I like that one. While we are waiting, God is working. Can I have a soft, let's go. Let's go. That's going to be good. I want you to already start thinking about the waiting seasons in your life. That time between pain and promise. That time where you've got to pause or that journey seems very, very tough. You can't hardly see light at the end of the tunnel. You can't hardly see finish line, but you got to keep moving and you got to keep cranking. So today I want to give you what I think is probably a non-traditional Easter Sunday message. Why? Because I want us to talk about Saturday. Saturday. Holy Week, we always remember Good Friday, rightly so. On Good Friday here, we watched the Passion of the Christ. We took communion. We had a powerful time of prayer. I had a powerful time of prayer with my two 16-year-old twin boys, Ethan and Levi, and it was a meaningful moment. We remember Good Friday, and we always, hello, remember Easter Sunday. Hello, look at y'all. Look at you beautiful out here. But what about Saturday? The time in between. I want you to think about these times in our lives where it's the space in between. You feel like God has called you to do something. You feel like God has got you started down some path, and then there's space of difficulty. Dark night of the soul. What do you do during these hard Saturday seasons of life that we all have? I think the church too many times ignores some of these realities and we just want to hype up the fun moments the great moments the triumphant moments and we will easter but before sunday comes saturday 
And if you're here today and you're in the middle of a tough spot, a tough patch, today, I'm telling you, is a day for you. So let's learn from Peter. So we meet Peter in the Bible. He's a hardworking man. Peter is in the seafood business. Not quite like Deadliest Catch, but he is a professional. And he's in a family business, I think, with his brother, and they're fishing. This is their income. This is their revenue stream. I don't think this is a side hustle. This is their full-time job. And this is how they're building 401k, net worth, identity in the community. They're adults, okay? Then Jesus shows up, and this happens. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. Everybody say at once. At once and followed him. I think that is interesting. Would we in today's culture and time be willing to just drop what we're doing and follow Jesus? When was the last time that you responded in an immediate way to something that you feel like Jesus laid on your heart? Go talk to that neighbor. Okay. Forgive that person. Yes, sir. I need you to crank up your attitude. Be a little more positive in me on it. When was the last time that we were so responsive, man? Like Peter. It wasn't like, well, we're going to do like a pro and con list. And it's not really a great time for us. And, you know, it's kind of intrusive what you're asking us to do, Jesus. So we'll have to deliberate. We'll get back to you. Send you an email. Immediately. And I love this. So Peter is off to a great start in this new upstart, new startup, nonprofit called the kingdom of God, okay? And he's following Jesus. A little bit further in Matthew, we're still in the same book. Peter's off to a great start. It gets even better, man. I love Peter. Jesus tells Peter, you are a rock, and I'm going to build my church on you. Imagine if your boss came to you and said that to you one day. You are a rock. I'm going to build this whole thing on you. I mean, that would feel pretty good, right? I think Peter in this moment is like, I'm killing it. Peter's like, of all these other disciples, who's the rock? I'm the rock. I think Peter is thinking, I am going to be a C-level leader in this startup nonprofit kingdom of God. I see VP in my future. I see chief salvation officer in my future. I see Chief WWO, Chief Water Walking Officer later on in my experience with God. Peter, I think, is fired up. This is Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus tells him this. Then a little bit, just a tiny bit down in the same chapter, everyone say same chapter. Not a different chapter, same chapter. This happens. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus calls Peter Satan. Now, can we just say this? If Jesus ever calls you the devil, you done messed up. Jesus would know. He calls Peter Satan. Peter was hired and almost fired in the same chapter. 
So Peter has these highs and lows, these super high, like amazing, he gets it. He's one of the first ones to sense and know that Jesus is the one and only son of God, the Messiah, awesome. Peter's the one that walks on water. But he's also the one that looks around and he gets scared and begins to sink. There's highs and literal lows. And we see this in his life. Think about your own life. I bet you've had highs and lows. Great, amazing times where you feel like, man, I am killing it in the kingdom of God. Prayer times are amazing. I'm connected to the Lord. Everything seems to be working. And then times of, wait, what? I feel disoriented. I feel disconnected. I feel like it's something I used to do, but it's been so long. What do you do in these Saturday seasons? So we see this in Peter's life, this rhythm. And then we come to what I think is the hardest, the most heart-wrenching moment of Peter's life following Jesus. This is what happens in Matthew 26. This is Peter He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. You got to understand, Jesus had just been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had just been taken by the guards. He is under trial. The disciples have been scattered. They're all worried for their lives. And they're recognizing Peter as one of the influential people as following Jesus. And two times now, Peter's like, I do not know him. I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly.
Käfer. Käfer. My grandfather passed away many years ago unexpectedly in a moment. And when that happens, you start to think about what was my last conversation with him? What was the last thing that I said to him? Maybe some of you are old enough to have a memory like that. Somebody passed away in your life and you think about the last thing that you said to them or feeling sad because you know the last time that you did talk, it didn't end the way that you wanted. Maybe it was a fight. Maybe it was cross words. Maybe it was a silence, and that's the last thing you have. Imagine Peter denying Jesus. This is the last moment. Then Jesus is taken away on a Friday, crucified, and dies, and it's Saturday. Peter did not think Jesus was going to rise again. It is my opinion the disciples did not think that Jesus was going to come back. They were scattered and scared for their lives. They didn't understand what was happening. And this denial moment is the last moment that Peter has with Jesus. Imagine how Saturday could have felt for Peter. Now, I want us to think about the Saturday seasons of our life, this time, this space in between pain and promise. How should we be? How should we act? What should we believe? As followers of Jesus, it is so easy in that space in between pain and promise to get frustrated, maybe to get angry with God, maybe to become silent. Silence defining the relationship with God over time. You can't even really remember the last time it was real to you. You've been in the Saturday season, and it's been hard, and it's been difficult. How should we be? What should we do? How should we respond? How should we react in these Saturday times of our life? I want us to try to put ourselves in this position with Peter. How horrible and heart-wrenching this is. The very one that you pledged your life to, with just a little bit of pressure, you bailed. Scared for your own self, your own self-interest. What do we do during the Saturday seasons of life? I want to give you today three things that I've been thinking about this week, three things that we should do. I think three actions that we should take. And I want you to write the first one down on your communication card today. Here's the first one. When we're walking in a difficult season, when we are finding ourselves in a Saturday season, do this. I will keep eternity in view. Maybe out beside that, right, I will remember the big picture. Pain is irrational. It's hard to have a rational 
existence when you're in the middle of pain. Pain trumps all these rational things. When you're in the middle of pain, in the middle of hurt, it is so important to try to remind yourself of the big picture so the pain doesn't win out and so that you're not defined by your pain day after day, week after week, and it turns into some kind of a lifestyle. You don't get lost in it even though it's so easy. We've got to keep the big picture in mind. And this is what Jesus did, I think, in Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night before Jesus was taken away to be crucified. What was he doing? Was he vacationing? Was he doing one last business meeting? No. He was communicating with his father and praying in the hardest season, I think, of his life in this moment. This is Luke 22. Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Take it from me. Jesus was praying three times he prayed if there's another way if there's any other way that we can get this done can you take this cup from me but then that amazing word that we read yet not my will but yours be done i think jesus had an eternal view in that moment i think there is a miracle happening where somewhere, somehow, some way, it's just my personal belief that as Jesus began to walk that road, he somehow thought about me and he knew my name and he knew your name and your name and your story and what's going to happen, keeping eternity in view, maybe even your name in his ears, in his heart that kept one foot going in front of another, walking that road to crucifixion. Jesus was keeping the big picture in mind. When you're in a Saturday season, this is the time to increase your communication with God. As it gets closer to crucifixion time, Jesus increases the frequency and the intensity of his prayer life, his communication with his Father. But how many times in our life when we get into a tough spot, a rough patch, we don't talk more, we talk less. What an amazing example. When times get difficult, that's the moment to lean in. The second one, write this down. I will manage my reactions. How many of you here today, you are responsible for any kind of a team, you're a parent, Raise your hand if you're responsible to any people. You're a leader, you got a team, you got people that you take care of, look out for, responsible to. Lots of people in this room. Leaders, listen to this one. This is so key in your life. Parents, so key in your life. I will manage my reactions. So back in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying. The guards come to take him, and all craziness breaks out. The disciples, I think, started to do a combination of fighting and maybe running away. The Bible describes Peter as somehow grabbing a sword. I don't know if he had one or took it from somebody else. And I think went to go cut somebody's head off. And the soldier moves enough where it just clipped an ear. This guy's ear is cut off. 
He's on the ground. Chaos is starting to break loose. Now, you don't see Jesus like, that's right, boys, form a line. We're going all in. Attack. You don't see that. You see Jesus managing his reaction. He starts to bring calm and a sense of peace to absolute chaos. He reaches down. He picks up this man's severed ear, and he heals the man. Watch this. He heals the very man that's going to lead him away to die. It makes me think about other scriptures. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We see it in every moment of Jesus' life. Even as he hung on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He managed his reaction. So leaders, this is so key for us. We have to manage our response in chaotic times. The P&E report is not what you expected. Model the way. Revenue is not what you expected. Model the way. Set the tone. How do you react if sales are up or down? How do you react if somebody on your team is struggling? Parents, how do you react if your teenager is going crazy? How do you know if they're going crazy? Because they're a teenager. We manage our reactions because we model what we do based on what we see Jesus doing. And God will give you the strength and the character to be steady in the middle of chaos. The third thing is this, and this is where it gets really encouraging to me. I shouted a little bit in my office at home, putting this together. I will remember that a delay doesn't mean a denial. Sometimes the best things have a delay. How many of you know babies are not instant? <laughs> Some of the moms might be like, that might actually might be a good thing. Can we just boom, done, one day? There's a little delay. Some of the best things in life have a little bit of a delay. I will remember that a delay doesn't mean a denial. Let's look at this. Romans chapter 5, the idea of going through a journey that is difficult. We also have joy. This is crazy to read. We also have joy with our troubles. It's like, yes, I will take a little side of joy with my troubles, please. Because we know that these troubles produce patience. In another translation, it says perseverance. And patience produces character. And character produces hope. And this hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts. I want to challenge and encourage you today, Go Church, that you might indeed be in a Saturday season. But you are not stuck in a Saturday season. In your marriage, you might be truly in a Saturday season. It seems hard and bleak, but trust me, God is still working. It might be a difficult time in a Saturday season with your kids, but God is still working. It might be a Saturday season in that job hunt, in your career path, but God is still working. And some of the hardest delays of our life, we can take peace in knowing that sometimes it's not a no from God. It's a not yet. 
Think about that scripture. From trouble comes joy. So maybe if you want some joy in your life, you should be praying for some trouble. Seems weird, right? Troubles happen. And then what comes out of it? God develops patience, perseverance out of trouble. Out of patience and perseverance, God brings character. Out of character, God brings hope. Maybe God doesn't want to change your circumstances because he wants to change your character. Maybe God is using those circumstances to forge that character so you can find some joy, so you can find some hope, so you can truly walk into that portion of Scripture. It says God will never disappoint, never. Never, 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 ever will God disappoint us. You're never going to have buyer's remorse with God. And I want this to get in our hearts today that Jesus, the game changer, is him coming out of that tomb. Jesus did not just make the tree. He died on the cross. He didn't just make the stone. He rolled the stone away. He didn't just make you. He's given you purpose joy he's building a place for you in heaven he is for you now if you believe that can we make some noise can we get happy in this place can we say thank you god that today is sunday easter sunday and we're not going to be stuck in a saturday our whole life if we cannot get excited about jesus what can we get excited about A delay doesn't mean a denial. Maybe God is not saying no. He's saying not yet. Look at your troubles with an optimistic eye. Joy is going to come out of this. You watch. Our imperfect, relatable Peter. Think about this. He goes through that Saturday. And then he gets word. He's like, wait, what? Jesus is alive. What? So he runs to the tomb in faith and optimism. Jesus is not there. Peter is one of the first ones to see the risen Christ. He believes in the risen Christ. Peter and Jesus have this moment. You see, the denial could have been the defining moment of Peter's life, but it wasn't. What turned out to be the deciding and the defining moment of his life was the reconciliation with him and Jesus. Maybe you, like Peter, have denied him. Moments of denial. Maybe say, oh, Pastor Nick, I've never denied Jesus like that. That's too extreme. Is it possible, you and me, that through our attitudes in this life, we have said and declared, I don't know that man. To the way that we treat the people that are most important to us, I don't know that man. Could it be that our apathy or our silence or our selfishness screams, I don't know the man in the same way that Peter did in that crowd? But that wasn't his defining moment, and it doesn't have to be ours. The Bible records Peter and Jesus coming together. And Jesus asked Peter three times. Now remember, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three. Three times, Jesus asks him, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I do. Do you love me? 
Yes, God. Always. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. The beginning bookend of Peter's life, Jesus saying, you're the rock. The other bookend in his life is his continued ministry. Peter would never deny Jesus again. He went from a denier to a preacher, a denier to a proclaimer, a denier to one of the most influential people in the church. In fact, history tells us that Peter ultimately gave up his life in martyrdom. History tells us that he chose to be crucified upside down as not to be compared to Jesus and his death. Just because you may have had moments of denial doesn't mean that all is lost. Because today's Easter Sunday. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. I pray that through the power of your spirit that you would begin to turn the hearts of your children to you. God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will begin to draw each and every one of us in that unique way that only you can do. God, it's not my words, it's not this music, it is the power of your Spirit that helps us know that this is a decision that we need to make, a decision to say yes to Jesus and yes to the gospel. This is the gospel that Jesus came to this earth, and he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. This is the gospel, that while we were sinners and making mistakes, I've made mistakes too. While we're in the middle of our mess, Jesus gave his life for us. This is the gospel, that he's not in the tomb anymore. He's alive. This is what the Bible says, that if you will confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And on this Easter Sunday, it's time for you. You've heard enough to go from denial to reconciliation, from not knowing to knowing. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud right now. Pray this. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.